Hello, mamas, Laura here, and today I'm sharing what the first two weeks of my postpartum recovery looked like. Enjoy! Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today's episode is all about what the first two weeks of my postpartum life and recovery looked like. This is episode four of seven in the My Pregnancy and Birth podcast series. So if you haven't already listened to the first three episodes, you should definitely go back and listen to them first as I explain the entire pregnancy and birth story that led me to this postpartum recovery. Now, in today's episode, I share my initial thoughts when reflecting on my birth, our rhythms in the early days after birth, the boundaries I put in place to make sure I could rest, how I managed an afternoon nap every day for the first two weeks, my tips on getting good sleep and rest, how my body and pelvic floor felt, my emotional state after birth, how I helped my perineum recover, and so much more. Now, still to come in this series, I'll also be sharing my recovery from weeks two to six after birth what exercise I was doing, how my pelvic floor felt, the differences in my recovery between a C-section and a vaginal delivery, and so much more. And then the final episode is all about how we transition to a family of three kids and my top tips and advice on what helped to make that a smooth transition. So remember, if you want to binge listen to all of these episodes at once, this entire podcast series and all our previous podcast series are all live right now inside my online program, The Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to listen to or watch this series right now rather than waiting for future episodes to be released, I encourage you to go and check out The Pregnancy Posse. When you join the posse, you'll also get access to our weekly safe pregnancy workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q&A session where I answer all of your burning questions. There is a wonderful community forum with other pregnant ladies and an extensive resources library, which will have you avoiding the dreaded Google rabbit hole. Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. Now, let's get into episode four of this seven-part pregnancy and birth series chatting all about the first few weeks after birth. Enjoy. Hello, ladies. I am jumping on today to talk all about my postpartum recovery for this third babe in the first two weeks. Now, the reason I divided it up into just a zero to two week category is because I think that that first two weeks is a real window of opportunity to maximize your recovery. So I've seen it in my clients. I've felt it in myself now. If you really hone in on doing the right things in the first two weeks, it can make an enormous difference for your recovery. So I wanted to just break down exactly what I did in those first two weeks and share my story on my postpartum recovery. So I thought I would start with my initial feelings uh, coming home after giving birth just to set the scene and be really real with you all when I first came home I felt very overwhelmed (laughs) so I will talk a little bit later about the transition to three children but uh, I came home my kids had been away from me for four days so they were fairly dysregulated it was late at night I was obviously recovering emotionally, physically, and it was dinner time and bath time. And I remember looking at my husband and just going, oh my God, this is full on. <laughs> like, 
what have we done? Life with three children. Whoa. It was an intense first night. So (laughs) that was interesting. Um, I just felt physically very, uh, like what's the word, incapable. So I couldn't really help with my kids very much, nor did I want to because I didn't want to push myself. I felt emotionally very stretched. I was exhausted. I was tired. And then I had three children to manage and look after and hold space for their emotional needs. And it was pretty full on. The other thing that I found very interesting as part of my recovery journey was I had had this incredible, empowering, most amazing birth experience But I also felt um, some negative vibes towards it. So what I mean by that, when I got home, I'd done a lot of laboring in my room. And when I got home, uh, I saw the TENS machine, the Fitball, and I think I had the foam roller out as well, which are all props and tools that I had been using for labor. Now, I assume you probably listened to my birth story. It was quite a long labor. It was quite an intense labor. And... As soon as I saw them in my room, I felt this visceral reaction to them, like I need to get rid of them ASAP. Like I couldn't stand looking at them. It brought back too many memories of this intense experience and I just didn't want anything to do with it. And I I started thinking, oh my God, do I have like a little bit of PTSD from my labor and my birth? How can it be that I've had this incredible, amazing, empowering experience, but I also feel like slightly traumatized maybe by it? Anyhow, I was aware of it. I didn't put too much meaning or emphasis or story on that. I just went, oh, that's interesting. I really feel this strong reaction to these props and this memory of my labor yesterday. I need to get rid of these out of my room ASAP. I spoke to my doula about it the next day and I said, do you find is this common? Like I, I, you know, I'm feeling like those memories are a bit too raw for me right now. And she said, don't stress. This happens to most people. Rarely do people give birth and straight away say, oh my God, I want to do that again. Um, a lot of the time people just need a little bit of space because it is such an intense experience. She said, you'll probably find as the days go on, you'll feel better and better and better about it. And it will feel less, you know, I don't want to use the word traumatic because that's not really what I mean, but maybe intense, like less intense. And that is very true. So as the days went on, I felt more, um, positive thoughts and vibes around it. I could look at my fitball and not feel, Ooh. <laughs> um, and you know, certainly now, um, a couple of months down the track, I, I feel so positive about it. I would 100% have another baby and do that all again. So for anyone else that may also have experienced a similar thing, give it time. Um, it certainly did help <laughs> in my case. So that's how I felt initially postnatal. And then in terms of the daily rhythms, because I think it's it's nice to understand what those days looked like in the early days. So I would tend to wake up with baby Luca, which would be, you know, sort of anywhere between 6 and 8 a.m. And my husband would get my other kids ready. So that means he would dress them, organize their breakfast, keep them entertained. Um, we had an agreement that for the first two weeks, He was fully in charge of the other two kids and was to expect nothing of me other than to look after the baby. And I knew I needed to lay this expectation down so that 
not for him so much, but for me, so that I had a boundary around how much I was going to help because I knew my personality was to want to jump in and help out and be involved. And I knew that that wouldn't serve me in my recovery so well. So he would get them ready and then he would either take them out or maybe play with them, set up some sort of activity inside, you know, while I was feeding the baby, changing nappies, all those sorts of things. Um, then often, you know, every, let, let, let's be honest, I didn't have a shower every day. <laughs> I'd probably try and have a shower every second day and I would time this in the morning. So all the kids were settled and fed and happy. I would feed the baby and then I would go and have a shower straight away while my husband held her and I would have you know just a quick five minute shower or so um and that was just a perfect amount of solo time um and you know just to feel a bit alive feel fresh um and that was really really lovely and then in the afternoon every single afternoon for the first two weeks I committed to lying down or having a nap uh, while um she slept on my chest so she would you know, babies sleep a lot in those first few weeks. And so pretty much at some stage in the afternoon, she would have a sleep and I would make sure that when she had her sleep, I would, she would lie on my chest and I would lie down and whether I slept or whether I listened to a podcast or read a book or just, you know, sat with, you know, my thoughts and looked out the window, I would always lie down. And so that would be really hard to do when my kids were at home. And fortunately the weather was great. So my husband would always take them out in the afternoon. They'd get their fresh air, their exercise. I'd get my downtime and it was a fantastic routine for those first two weeks. And then I would, my husband would organize dinner. Um, we did have a meal train and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, he would organize dinner. And so that I felt involved in the dinner routine and being with my other two kids, I would either sit at the table holding the baby or feeding the baby, or I would at least sit in my feeding chair near the table so I could engage in conversation so that I was still part of that routine. Um, and then at nighttime, we changed our routine a little bit just so that we could include everyone in it. I would sit and feed Luca to sleep um, either actually what we ended up doing everyone came into our room and our bed where me and the baby were and I would read books to my other two kids and you know chat to them and be part of their nighttime routine we would often include um, a baby bath or a baby shower while the other kids were showering and bathing so that they were part of the routine with their new baby sister and then we'd all get ready for bed together and yeah that was our way of including us all in the routine without me having to really be actively involved in it so that was sort of our daily rhythm for the first two weeks the the most notable thing being that I had an afternoon rest or a lie down every single day and that's something I never did with my first two kids I never factored that in at all I never organized before birth to have the space and the help to do that and that was vital this time around so if you can organize for your partner or your family or your friends or someone to help out with the other children if this is not your first baby uh, so that you can lie down every afternoon it made an enormous difference for me this time now in terms of breastfeeding uh, this time round, I was very fortunate. I've always had a fairly smooth breastfeeding journey, good milk supply, good latch, those sorts of things. So being third time round, I had a lot of confidence and touch wood, everything so far has gone very smoothly. I did have a small graze initially, you know, that whole 
baby's got a tiny mouth, you've got a big nipple, the the mechanics of it is not always fantastic. Um, But I knew this time if the latch wasn't right to take baby off and then reattach rather than just putting up with the pain. I did get a small graze, but I used maternal instincts, um, which is Amberly Harris, who's been on the podcast before. I used her nipple balm. That made a big difference. That healed that up. And then touch wood, it has been fairly smooth sailing since. So I breastfeed on demand, uh, which means I just feed. I I joke that I parent by boob. So (laughs) I fed both my kids for over a year and If boob never worked to settle them, I was sort of out of options. So the breast has always been really good for me and my kids to help settle them, to feed them, to keep them nourished, all of those things. It kind of ticks all the boxes. Um, So I breastfeed on demand. I also feed to sleep. Um, I did need to be careful in the early days because I tend to have oversupply. And so I had to be mindful, especially because of the feeding to sleep uh, routine that we do is that um, she would want to suck sometimes, but she was getting too much milk. She just wanted to suck, but she didn't really want to feed. And then she'd get tummy pains and then she'd get gassy and you know she was in all sorts of discomfort. So I did trial a dummy in the early days to see if that would help. Um, she didn't take it, so that's fine. But once my supply regulated, that didn't seem to be such an issue anymore. But that was something I needed to be mindful of. I used the Hucker pump uh, hands down best thing ever I feel like I should be an ambassador because I am someone who hates pumping I find it really uh you know like laborious it takes a long time it's annoying I just I don't know it's just not my thing um unfortunately I'm never really away from my kids for the first year of life so it's not like I need a big supply um but the hucker catches your letdown and so it's a way of building up a bit of a stash in the freezer without having to actually pump and also I didn't like the wastage of the letdown just going into your breast pad so it kind of saves on like the milk spillage issue so that was awesome Um, Now, in terms of sleeping for the first couple of weeks, what I aim to do, because, you know, there's not always a lot of sleep in the newborn days. Um, So my baby was waking sort of every two to three hours as a general routine for those first couple of weeks, which is very normal. And I would feed every time she woke, do a nappy change, then feed on the other side, then pop her back down. So what I would try and do to get maximum amount of rest is I would try and be in bed for a good 11, 12 hours overnight. So I would fall asleep when she goes to sleep at night and I would get out of bed in the morning when she gets out of bed. And even if I was awake a lot over the overnight, at least I was lying down and I was horizontal. And I found that that made a big difference. And obviously I was napping or lying down every afternoon as well. So that also made a difference. Um, I didn't do this with my first two kids. And obviously I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm just literally sharing my story. That's all. But I am co-sleeping this time around. The reason I started doing that is because um, my pelvic floor was really... Um, you know, vulnerable in the first couple of days and weeks after birth. And I didn't want to have to get up and down at nighttime to get her in and out of the bassinet. So I chose to co-sleep just so that I didn't have to do as much physical work and it's been working really well. And so we're going to continue with that until it doesn't work, I guess. Um, What I also did was set up a nappy station on my bedside table. So again, I didn't have to get up and down overnight. So um, I would have nappies and wipes and burp cloths and all the things I needed so that I could kind of stay as comatose as possible, (laughs) even though I was waking every two or three hours because 
I would find that if I really had to wake myself up, like I got out of bed to go get a nappy or, um, you know, if I was putting her in and out of the bassinet, that sort of stuff really woke me up and then I would find it hard to fall back to sleep. Whereas I kind of just stayed in bed and tried to lie down for as much of that as possible. And it meant that I actually was getting more rest and more sleep. So that worked really, really well for me. Um, also, from a sleeping point of view, I would make sure that I always looked forward to my morning coffee. So I'm a big coffee fan. And when you're up at 2 a.m. and you're just thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be a long day or I'm exhausted. It doesn't have to be coffee. But for me, I just always felt amazing knowing that there's only four hours until I can have a coffee, <laughs> which probably sounds like I'm a massive coffee addict, which you know what, maybe I am. But just having that thing to look forward to. So, oh, okay, there's only this long until I can have a cup of tea or only this long until I can have a shower or I just, I don't know, mentally that felt really good for me <laughs> to always know, okay, I can have a coffee and I'm going to feel much better if I wasn't feeling good at the time. Now, in terms of the first two weeks, how my body felt, my back, my core and my pelvis all felt fine. So I had no pain. I had no discomfort. I didn't, to be honest, even feel particularly weak. I didn't feel strong, but I didn't feel like I was going to fall apart any second. My pelvic floor felt quite heavy and throbby for the first few weeks. So you have listened back to my birth story. I did have a tear and that needed to be repaired. So it was mostly on the right side where my tear was. In fact, it was only on the right side in my pelvic floor area. So the right side felt, yeah, like I said, achy, throbby, heavy for the first few weeks. And I really couldn't stand or walk for longer than probably for the first couple of weeks, probably longer than 20 or 30 minutes. So um, I remember standing up, I think I was making myself breakfast and then I had maybe walked around to do a couple of things. And then I had to sit back down again or lie down, to be honest, because it just felt like everything was going to fall out and everything felt very achy and I remember just thinking oh this is really interesting you know I'm really being mindful of my body and making sure I'm not pushing those boundaries even though mentally I was frustrated that I couldn't be upright for more than say 20 or 30 minutes I knew that physically I needed to honor that that was my body sending me a signal saying hey girlfriend you need to take it easy we need a bit more recovery and so for me and I advocate this for all my clients as well horizontal rest was the most important thing so sitting down down is not horizontal rest. Lying down is horizontal rest. So I would notice, I remember we had family come over one day and we were in the backyard for a couple of hours and I sat down that whole time and I was sitting on a cushion and doing all the right things, but I was so achy by the end of that day because sitting down wasn't enough. You're still loading your pelvic floor up in sitting and you're still putting a lot of pressure through that area. So that was a really good uh, lesson to practice what I preach and make sure I was actually trying to lie down as much as possible. I also remember going to the beach, which was probably one of my only outings for those first two weeks. And we pretty much got there. I stood up, I walked down to the sand and then I was like, you know what? I can't, I wanted to go for a little beach walk, get some fresh air. I was like, I can't do this. And I was a little bit embarrassed because I was on the beach and I couldn't even sit properly because it still felt throbby. So I actually had to lie down. So here I was on the beach lying down. It looked like I was just having a beautiful lazy day, but it was because my pelvic floor couldn't cope with the load if I was upright. So look, that's pretty intense and it does feel like a long time ago because it's recovered very fast. But I think a lot of that recovery has been because I honored what my body was saying. I didn't go, you know what? I really want to go for a beach walk. So 
stuff you pelvic floor. I'm just going to do what I want. I made sure that I said, oh, no, 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 this doesn't feel right. I know I need to stop now. So I also remember when I was sitting, I kind of couldn't sit properly. I had to sort of lean away from that right side because of the pressure. It wasn't very comfortable. And I do remember my tailbone feeling a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit sore because of the change in my position. So again, this just reminded me to lie down more than sit. Um, And it's not always possible to do that, I understand. I tried to lie down when I was feeding. And if not, I just tried to change my pelvic position a lot so that I wasn't overloading another area of my pelvis, i.e. my tailbone, because I didn't want that to then become a problem. Um, I remember as well in terms of pelvic floor recovery and how my body was feeling that my first morning wee, there was quite a lot of stinging in my, um, where my stitches were, which is very normal because your urine is often more concentrated first thing in the morning. So when uh, that reminded me to just hydrate a lot during the day, I drank heaps of water when my urine wasn't concentrated, I didn't have any stinging at all, but to combat that stinging, what I would do is flush it with some, I had this sits bath, um, that I would use, but I would just put it like in a little cup or a spray bottle and I would flush that as I was weeing so that I didn't get the sting so much. Um, So that really helped with that. And not that I needed to do it so much, but I do recommend this for my clients. And I did try it a couple of times, but for my first few bowel motions, I would get a wad of toilet paper and I would hold my perineum in really well. So it felt supported while I opened my bowels, just so that I didn't feel that extra pressure. And I never strained and I definitely recommend you don't strain, but just to give that extra bit of perineal support, that felt really good as well. Um... In terms of the rest of my body, oh, my breasts were like very full. I went through that typical day three or four, you know, felt like my boobs were a size Z (laughs) feeling, but they regulated pretty quickly and they were no longer tender unless I had had a long stint in between feeds. Um, And yeah, that's probably the main summary of how my body felt in those first two weeks. Um, Like I mentioned, in terms of specifically how my pelvic floor felt, that right side felt quite throbby and heavy if I was on my feet for too long. I did start very gentle, small pelvic floor contractions, uh, exercises in the first couple of weeks. So what that felt like is that it felt quite sluggish. This is very normal, by the way. Um, This is what you should expect after any birth, um, particularly vaginal delivery, but it felt quite sluggish. So let's say I usually used to lift my pelvic floor to level three or four. I felt like I could only lift to level one and I could only hold it for a few seconds. And that is completely normal. All I was trying to do in those first few weeks and all I advocate my clients do is to get your brain to start talking to your pelvic floor again. So it's not about strongest, longest, most intense pelvic floor exercise you can do. It's just about waking that muscle up again. So getting your brain to go, hey, pelvic floor, I remember who you are. I remember where you are. And I kind of remember how to turn you on. That's all I was doing. So when I was feeding, I would just play around with, can I hold it? Can I let it go? Can I hold it? Can I let it go? That's all. There was nothing really structured or routine about it. It was just turning it on, turning it off. Um, Other things that I did for my perineal recovery So loads of horizontal rest, like I've already mentioned. I was very diligent with not lifting my other children. They weigh an absolute ton and I was very diligent. So I said, no, I'm sorry, mommy can't lift you. I obviously made sure my husband was around so that I wasn't in a position where I had to lift them or, you know, you're in a dangerous position where you have to run after them or anything like that. I made sure that that wasn't the case. 
I never strained on the toilet. Touch wood, I also wasn't constipated, but I made sure that that was never an option. <laughs> I did regular sitz baths. Um, so I used the Mia Botanicals sitz bath, which had chamomile flower and things like that in it. And that felt really good. So on the days where I was particularly achy or throbby, those sitz baths, oh, I felt amazing for doing them. So I tried to do them every day, but to be honest, that wasn't always possible trying to get it because you have to soak for 15 minutes and trying to get 15 minutes to soak doesn't sound like long, but with a baby and two other kids, it was kind of hard to find the time to do that. But I did try and do that every day for about four days in a row. I would regularly spray the Mia Botanicals Peri Spray onto a maternity pad that was just nice and soothing for my perineum. Now, in terms of icing, I do recommend ice for perineal recovery. However, there's some literature coming out at the moment that is talking about in terms of overall long-term recovery, we're not actually sure ice is helping with that. So what I think the consensus is at the moment is ice is fantastic for pain relief. And we can all acknowledge, yes, that is true. In terms of overall long-term recovery, I'm not sure if ice is really where we're heading right now. And I don't think there's any... Um, set conclusion on that yet but I took that information and I only iced for pain relief I didn't ice as like a consistent routine Um, so I only iced once or twice just for some pain relief that made a big difference it felt really good so I would recommend you do that for pain relief what I would do sometimes is spray the perineal spray on a maternity pad put it in the freezer and then put that on and that felt really nice Um, I kept the perineum dry and clean I was very diligent with that and as I said before I would get a wad of toilet paper and support my perineum when I was opening my bowels. Now, in terms of exercise for the first couple of weeks, all I did was the occasional pelvic floor flick when I remembered, like I mentioned before, often when I was feeding and I'm talking small, small, small walks. So five minutes really is probably all I did in the first two weeks, whether that would be around the house. I think I went to the beach maybe once or twice. And I think I might've gone around the block as well, but I actually rarely left the house for the first two weeks. And I'm someone who is quite a busy body, loves to get out of the house. I hate being confined at home, but I really lent into rest for the first two weeks this time. And so I actually found I didn't feel inclined to want to go out, uh, which was interesting because again, normally my personality is, oh, get me out in the fresh air. I don't want to be stuck at home, but I actually didn't feel like it. So that was helpful, I guess, in that I wasn't itchy to leave, but I only did a couple of small walks. That was all. And again, my body was telling me that that was enough for me in those first couple of weeks. Now, in terms of how I felt emotionally, um, pretty good. So I've always had very steady mental health throughout all three children and birth and postpartum, fortunately. Um, What I do notice, and this has been consistent with all three of my kids and in that initial postpartum period, is that I feel emotionally quite, I guess, vulnerable for the first few weeks. And what I mean by that is I feel very easily set off. So very always sort of close to tears or close to some big, you know, emotions welling up inside of me. If I, you know... I'm very sensitive and so I'm aware of that now that this is my third kid and I embrace that and I know that that's just a really normal part of postpartum hood for me, maybe not for everyone but for me. So that was fine. I know that I could easily get overwhelmed or emotional or upset and so again I just made sure I had help and buffers in place to make sure that 
um, you know, I could manage well and I'm much better, you know, again, maybe it's being a mum of three or maybe it's just being older and wiser, but I'm much better at communicating this time. So I do remember having a moment with my mum where I just started crying and my other kids had gone out for a walk with um, my husband and I was with the baby and I was about to have a bath and I just started crying and (laughs) my mum was like oh my god what's wrong can I fix it can I help trying to problem solve and I just said you know what I just need to cry I'm not particularly sad I'm not I, I, I can't pinpoint why I'm crying I just know I need to cry and it's not a bad thing and I know I just need to get out of my system we don't need to fix anything we don't need to solve anything Um, and that's not something past Laura would have done that's something I've learned with time is that sometimes I just need to have a cry and I feel so much better afterwards for doing that rather than bottling it up or also rather than putting a story on it that there's something wrong or you know why am I sad and I've just really lent into embracing a good cry and I always feel a million times better for it so that's something I probably am much better at doing as well to help emotionally get me through if I need to cry I cry if I feel you know feelings I talk about them now as well like I'm much better at communicating how I'm feeling which is good Um, Another thing I do notice that I get, and I have had it with all three kids, is I get a teeny bit of anxiety, sort of as that dinner routine is coming up, the sun's setting, you're gearing up for the nighttime, which can often be very hard and lonely when you've got a baby, you can feel like you're the only person awake and there's a lot of wake ups. Um, And look, I have felt that with all three of my kids where I get a little bit of that anxiety leading up into the nighttime. Again, I knew what to expect this time. I didn't do anything particularly different. All I did was acknowledge it. So I would say to my husband, oh, I'm noticing myself. I feel a bit anxious right now. And that was enough for me to feel better about it. And particularly, uh, Luca had a blocked nose for like a good week or two. And that was really disturbing her nighttime sleep. There was a lot of sleeping upright on me, a lot of just getting no sleep. And I was more anxious on those nights. So again, all I would say to my husband is, look, I feel quite anxious about how tonight's going to go. And we might talk through it or he might say, well, would you like me to do this or this or this? And I just felt better for talking about it. So if anything I can recommend is just be really open with your communication and how you're feeling. And it doesn't have to make any sense, but just getting it off your chest can be amazing for just working your way through it. On the flip side of all of that, though, emotionally, I just felt a tremendous amount of love. So I would often find myself just sitting back and observing my parents or my husband or my other kids or my baby and just feeling so full of love and gratitude for everyone and everything. So not to make it all sound doom and gloom or, you know, like emotionally, it's going to be really rocky. There's so much on the upside emotionally, I found anyway, in the postpartum. So that's a really nice way to balance it out, I guess. And then the other thing I want to touch on before I wrap this podcast up for the first two weeks, a big thing that I really planned for was to ask for and accept help from our community. So a big part of that was we had a meal train organized uh, with our friends, which pretty much kept us going for the first six weeks, which was amazing. Again, I never did this for my first two. This was a new thing and I highly recommend it to anyone. I also organized for my parents to come down and stay with us for about four nights in, I think it was the first week or two. That also made an enormous difference. I know this is not always possible for everyone. I'm just sharing what was possible for us. Um, That made a big difference. Just having those extra couple of set of hands for the older kids or, you know, can you hold the baby while I go and do this or 
whatnot. But that real village mentality, which again, this is the first time I've really lent into that. Oh, it made an enormous difference. And I was fortunate in that I had friends offering to take my older kids for a play date or to drop a coffee off at my house. Or if they were at the shops, they would ask if I needed anything. And um, that, that offer of help was always so appreciated and really, really helpful. And again, I had organized to have my husband completely off work for two weeks. He works for himself. So that wasn't too hard to organize. But um, when you work for yourself, it's also kind of hard in that it's hard to completely switch off. You know, you can kind of always work and always be on. And I, I made sure that he was aware that the, the uh, I guess the rules for me for the first two weeks is that I was not responsible for my older two kids at all. So I wanted to set that boundary really early so that I didn't feel like, oh, you know, well, I'll just help out with this or I'll just quickly make dinner here. I wanted to make sure I let myself off the hook more than anything because I knew that I'd be inclined to want to step in and help out and do too much and then I would regret it. So that's a good summary of my first two weeks and yeah, I guess if I were to give any advice, it would be organize help before the baby comes, accept help when the baby arrives and factor in as much horizontal rest as humanly possible because I tell you what, that does make an enormous amount of difference. Hey mamas, Laura here, and I really hope you got something out of today's episode. There is so much that I learned from my first two postpartum experiences that really helped to inform me of what I wanted to do for this third postpartum journey. So resting properly and learning to lean on the help from others were the most important things this time around. And I tell you what, I do not have a single regret. It made such an enormous difference and I really wish that I had done this sort of recovery the first two times. (laughs) So if you enjoyed the episode or resonated with anything I share, I would love to hear from you over on my socials at PhysioLaura and I would love to know if you've put anything in place to help make your postpartum recovery smoother. Now, in the next few episodes in my pregnancy and birth series, I'll be sharing my recovery from weeks two to six, the differences I felt recovering from a vaginal delivery versus a cesarean section, my practical tips and tricks to help manage the day-to-day juggles with a family of three kids, and so much more. And if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episode in this podcast series. And if you love today's episode and you want to binge listen to all the future episodes in this series, remember this entire series is now live inside my online program, The Pregnancy Posse. When you join the posse, you'll also get weekly guided pregnancy workouts and extensive resources library on birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises and managing pregnancy pains and injuries, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with myself. Now, I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what The Pregnancy Posse is all about. Now, I will catch you soon for episode five in this seven part pregnancy and birth series where I'll be sharing how I felt in weeks two to six after birth and what I did to help my recovery. Until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.